The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Lena Papadopoulos. Lena is a life purpose and leadership coach. She uses evolutionary astrology to help heart-centered visionaries unlock their power, purpose, and potential so they can lead a fulfilling life and serve the world with their magic. Hi, Lena. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. So, gosh... It sounds like you are into some really amazing things. I'm actually really excited to talk to you about the astrology and that magic that comes along with astrology. But before we dive in, I was just wondering if maybe you wanted to share a little bit about you to the listener. Well, <laughs> I spent 10 to 15 years working in intercultural education and leadership development Really, the intention of the work I was doing was to bring different types of people together, to build bridges, to create common understanding, to bridge differences. And I just repeatedly throughout the years, and no matter where I was in the world, was seeing this common theme playing out where I really began to feel the division between people is a reflection of the disconnection from within. And so I eventually transitioned to work for myself, to do coaching instead of the work I was doing before. And that was also like a process of evolution. Mm. I was studying astrology the whole time I've had my business, but it's really only been in the last six to eight months that I've really been focusing on astrology. So to talk a little bit about that, with evolutionary astrology, that's really based on the premise that our soul reincarnates and that we come back again and again, and that our soul is on a journey of evolution. And each lifetime is really about balancing energy. So our karma and fulfilling our purpose. So our dharma and what I look at in a chart, which a lot of different astrologers have different approaches, but with evolutionary astrology, we're really looking at 
where has the soul come from and what is it moving toward and what are some of the past life patterns or the early childhood conditioning or the societal imprints or past life trauma signatures? Like what are all the things that are almost like creating challenges and barriers to the soul's evolution in order to like really push us to address certain limitations and limiting beliefs and behaviors that have existed for us throughout our lifetimes. So my focus with my work is really looking at the past in order to support people to create their own future. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so what I love about that one is just another take on astrology. And two, it's another way that people can do work from past lives. And it sounds like from whatever they've carried with them to where they are right right now. I love that there's an alternative to doing a past life regression or, I don't know, seeing a psychic medium or something like that. There's another way to do it using astrology. Astrology is one of those things that I have yet to learn because there's so much to learn. I have so much respect Mm -hmm. for anybody who understands astrology because I'm just now learning about my moon my rising sign. So I know there's like so much to learn. Mm -hmm. So what was it about astrology that drew you to it? Gosh, I don't know. It just resonated with me. I had seen somebody that I follow on Instagram. She posted about a chart reading that she had done with an astrologer. And then I was just interested and I started following that astrologer. And then after maybe a year, I decided to take a course with her. And that was kind of like the beginning of the journey. She wasn't doing evolutionary astrology, but she talked a lot about using the chart to see the soul's purpose. And that resonated with me because I feel like so much of what I've done in my life has been centered around purpose, like living my own purpose, but supporting other people to live their purpose. Yeah. (laughs) So it just really spoke to me. I don't know. And then when I started really studying and learning about my own chart, just seeing how my own chart was coming to life, like how it really was a representation of my lived experience, I just kind of became addicted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You follow those breadcrumbs and they led you down that path. I've had same experiences exploring other things like mediumship and energy healing and stuff. It just hasn't happened yet for astrology. I'm like waiting for that intuitive nudge to be Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's look into this (laughs) because that's going to be a lot because there's just so much to learn. So I'm curious as Mm -hmm. far as the evolutionary part of the astrology, how can you see into past lives Okay. And this is, again, my very limited knowledge with astrology, where I know it's place of birth, date of birth, time of birth. If you don't have that information for past Mm -hmm. life, how do you use astrology Mm -hmm. to access that? Yeah. So it is based on your current chart. You can see the past lives in the chart you have now, Mm. but it is definitely important to have that information, especially the exact time. And in general, the time is really important because one minute can truly change a chart. Like Twins do not have the same birth chart, even though they're born almost at the same time in the same place in the same location. And so the time is always important, but I think it's Mm. especially important Mm -hmm. with evolutionary astrology because we're using the generational planets to understand past lives, which are also known as the outer planets. Those are like Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Pluto, And most astrologers, they're focusing on the inner planets when they give you a reading. So your sun, your moon, your rising, Mercury, Mars, Venus. But 
when we're talking about generational planets, the outer planets, those planets stay in the same sign for years at a time. And so from our approach, it's actually more important to begin with the house placement and not the sign placement. And so if you don't have the time, you don't know what houses things are in. But it is based on the information of the current life. And Mm -hmm. then we look at the chart from this life to understand how some themes could have manifested in past life experiences. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. I'm going to have to look into that, which reminds me, Lena, if anybody wanted to do that with you, how can they get in touch with you? Either my Instagram or my website, which is just my name, Lena Papadopoulos, and my signature introductory offering is called Soul Sessions. And that's a two-hour natal chart consultation where we look at the evolution of the soul and what that person is meant to be working toward in this lifetime. And then it also is followed by the one hour coaching session where we deep dive into one of the themes that comes up through the reading. Oh, that's really cool. And I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes too, so that anybody can find it easily that way, because that sounds really incredible. (laughs) So I'm going to backtrack a little bit when you mentioned that you were doing something else and then you switched to coaching. Mm -hmm. What was that switch like for you? Oh, so (laughs) it was so hard because I think my identity was so wrapped up in what I had been doing before. And it was really difficult for me to really move away from that. I mean, I still use so much of that work in my work now in different ways. But to call myself a coach was weird. To stop calling myself an intercultural educator was weird. And when I first made the decision to start my own business, I spent like a year to a year and a half having an existential crisis (laughs) and trying to figure out what is it that I actually want to do because I felt myself being pulled in this spiritual direction with my work. But there was this subconscious programming that was really telling me that I was only qualified to do what I had been doing up to that point. Got it. And so even when I officially actually launched my business, I basically just recreated my past career, like my old profession. (laughs) And I just put my own little spin on it. (laughs) And then it evolved and changed over time as I became more and more comfortable with that transition. So yeah, now we're all in the woo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is it safe to say that in a way you still are an intercultural educator, even Mm -hmm. as a coach? Because you are teaching so many different people from different walks of life, I imagine. So in a way, I feel like there is a bridge. Yeah, there really is a lot of overlap because even with the work I was doing and what I'm doing now... So much of it is becoming aware of the unconscious, unconscious programs and patterns and messages that have been internalized and the conditioning. There is a lot of overlap, especially around the unconscious and subconscious stuff. Oh my gosh. And that's where it gets real and scary too. I bet the stuff that we've pushed down and haven't dealt with. Mm -hmm. What are some of the revelations or transformations that you've seen with the people that you work with, you know, without having to give personal stories away or anything like that. But I'm curious 
for somebody who would be interested in evolutionary astrology, what are they coming to you for? Is it they know they've got some healing to do and they just haven't been able to figure out what it is or Mm -hmm. why? And then what's the outcome of a session? Well, I think the people who are most drawn to what I'm doing are people who do feel and have always felt some deep sense of purpose and that they want to make a positive impact in the world. But there's so much fear and resistance wrapped up in actually taking the steps to do it. And so a lot of them are looking for clarity around like, what am I actually supposed to be doing? They just want that confirmation, I think, from somebody else that this is the path that you feel drawn to Mm. is in alignment Mm -hmm. with your purpose. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because what really happens in a session is what we're really looking at are all the blocks to actually moving forward. And so it's really about looking at all of the different areas that need to be healed in order to move toward that resistance. And it makes sense because so often what our soul has come here to move toward is in opposition to the patterns that we have lived for a series of lifetimes. So we come into this life already with this energetic imprint of areas that feel comfortable and safe to us. So to move in the direction of the soul's evolution, it requires change, uncertainty, what is unknown or unfamiliar to us. And Mm. so that comes with a lot of resistance and fear. And that's really what we're addressing through a soul session is really how do you work through all of the different layers of lived experience that have somehow instilled within you this belief that you can't Mm. do that thing or you're not enough to do that thing. Yeah. Lots of realizations that could be hard to face, but do you find in the session that it's maybe not quite as scary as it sounds? (laughs) It could be. Yeah. What I really find is that people feel very seen in a session. What I think is the most powerful about these sessions is that they really help people understand the reason that they have had the life experiences they've had. Got it. There is some purpose Mm -hmm. in these experiences because they are pushing them toward the soul's purpose, the soul's evolutionary intention. And so I think there's almost this sense of relief where people feel like, okay, there is meaning to what I have lived through. And I now have the awareness to choose something different for myself if I want. Yeah. And what I see is people becoming more brave to step into their truth, which is the intention. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, very empowering, I'm sure for people who maybe have felt powerless in certain situations. So Mm -hmm. that's fantastic to put a spin on it. So I want to go back to how you're more in the woo now. Uh (laughs) What does that mean to you being more in the woo? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, because to be honest, I don't even like that term. I don't really know why I used it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I don't like it either. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of just feels like a way to demean or diminish spirituality somehow, which yes. I don't agree with. <laughs> it's such like a light, playful term for something that's so much more. Anyway, yeah, I agree. Go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just in general, I think my approach to most things is super balanced. So even though there's this very strong element of 
spirituality in my work, there's also this really strong aspect of being grounded on earth, really this duality or not necessarily a duality, but the idea that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So really considering the reality of what the human experience also looks like and feels like and what it means to navigate it with trust and surrender to spirit. Yeah, that balance between the two. I don't think I answered your question at all. (laughs) (laughs) I I like where you're going with that, though, because I agree with that, because, yes, we are these spiritual beings, but we're here having a human experience. So why would you not incorporate the grounding physical stuff? Because we are still humans, like we still have to live here on Earth. So I think that's great. And I love that that's your work ethic, because I completely agree with that. Also, being in healthcare myself and as an RN, I help people. Well, now I teach nurses, but when I was working with patients, I would help them feel better physically, which in turn, I think emotionally and mentally helped as well. Mm -hmm. But very much about the physical body. Anyway, I think that's great. Speaking of spirituality, what is your definition of intuition? Mm -hmm. I think it's the inner knowing or the inner insight that comes from spirit, which is really just the truth of who we are. The deepest, truest parts of ourselves are connected to that source of oneness and love and divinity. Mm -hmm. And so our intuition is like a messenger from that part of us that we are often disconnected from, which is why I think a lot of times it's hard to hear our Mm, intuition, trust our intuition, listen to it, because it really is connected to the truest parts of ourselves, which we are so often disconnected from. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. (laughs) How does intuition work for you specifically? Do you feel it Mm -hmm. in your body? Or how does it work for you? Yeah, it's like that gut feeling like I might see somebody or meet somebody and I feel something about their energy or their being. I have like an intuitive sense. Sometimes I have an intuitive sense about something that's about to happen. I just Mm -hmm. feel it and then it comes to be or I'll have an intuitive sense that I should reach out to somebody. And then they'll say like, wow, it's so Mm -hmm. weird that you contacted me because I was just thinking about this thing that you said when you, (laughs) in your message. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's just a feeling. Yeah. I think what's so great about that is not only do you get the sense or the intuitive hit, but the follow through, Mm -hmm. because that helps to validate that we're going to start to trust this feeling, right? So that follow through is so important too. What are your thoughts on spirit guides? Yeah, I think they're there. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do something called soul readings with this lady. I've been doing them for six or seven years, usually twice a year. She's a channeler, really. So what she does is connects with my spirit guides to give me messages from my soul. Those readings are so beautiful and powerful, but I would say that's really like my my personal connection to my spirit guides. I don't necessarily connect with them on my own or have some sort of communication or relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
but I believe they're there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, Lena, you're going to have to give me <laughs> that woman's information. So yeah. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to ask if there was anything else that you wanted to share mm-hmm. or talk about? Well, <laughs> I mean, I initially connected with you around this podcast yeah. because mm-hmm. of a personal experience that I had that ended last year, but was really rooted in me denying and dismissing my intuition and not trusting myself, which really led to this crazy unfold, <laughs> unfolding. And it really is a very long story. So I'm going to give a very brief summary Essentially, I had started dating someone in September of 2021, and we were together for a few months before things started to feel strange to me. But the first few months were really beautiful and special, and I felt like I had really gone my person, Mm -hmm. and I had this Mm -hmm. very particular perception, I think, of who he was and his character. I really perceived him to be very honest and caring and trustworthy and empathetic Mm -hmm. and generous. And I really thought he was a very beautiful person. And then a few months into the relationship, things just started to seem off to me. There started to be a lot of inconsistencies. And I would find myself having these intuitive feelings that he was lying about something or that he was performing. I mean, it would be weird because it would be this moment. As an example, there was a time when we were with a cousin of his and she started crying and he went and hugged her. Mm. And there was a part of me that thought like he's so sweet and caring and then this other part of me that was like he's totally putting on an act right now oh interesting yeah and and I was really confused by this conflicting feelings and so Mm -hmm. every time I had a sense like something's not right something's off I would just tell myself no you're being paranoid you're going through a hard thing and you're just projecting your stuff onto him and it's just your insecurity coming through Mm. (laughs) but things just got progressively weirder to the point where I ended up discovering, I mean, this is really such a long story in depth, but I ended up discovering that he was in (laughs) three other long-term relationships at the same time. Oh my gosh. Different women in different countries. One of them he'd been with for the last seven years and another one he'd been with the last 17 years. Whoa. Yeah. And I put all of the pieces together and just figured it all out. When I found out about the first woman and I connected with her and she told me some things about their relationship. And then I realized in that moment, oh my God, Every moment that felt weird to me and every time I dismissed my intuition, I was completely right about everything I was thinking and feeling. Wow. It was almost like those maps, like on an FBI wall where all these dots are connected. (laughs) And it really like that happened in my mind. And every weird moment connected to another weird moment. And I saw this map of insanity. (laughs) Yes. And that's really how I figured it all out. That's how I figured out about the other women. I contacted all of them. Wow. (laughs) It was just like a very wild experience. But it was really after that, that I realized how powerful 
my intuition is and how trustworthy it is. I didn't want to believe what it was trying to communicate to me, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it was truth. It was right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) So I too have been in a pretty toxic relationship, continuously ignoring those red flags until I got hit by a two by four. So I'm curious when you finally broke it off with him, was that an easy process? Was it scary, like fearful for your safety? Well, we weren't actually actually in the same country when I started to put the pieces together and when we broke up. We broke up when I found out about the first woman. And it was after that I put the pieces together about the others and I contacted them. And then he was sending me angry emails telling me what a terrible person I was Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. taking everything away from him. Like the audacity, you know? (laughs) Jeez. So I was away from him, but I was afraid to move back. I mean, I live in Mexico City and that's where he's from. That's where I met him. Mm. And I knew when his other girlfriends broke up with him that he was likely going to come back here. And so that was returning because I, at the time when all of this was unfolding, I was visiting my family in Greece and he was with his partner of 17 years in Italy. (laughs) So when I came back, I did find out that he was here and it gave me a lot of anxiety, even though I had not seen from him anything that would really give me justified reason to believe that he could physically harm me and the other women agreed like that they couldn't see him being capable of that but at the same time it was like none of us thought he was capable of what he had been doing so So that's interesting so none of the other women knew that he was seeing these other women no no they had no idea wow yeah (gasps) oh he was good he was a very good actor (laughs) he just picked the wrong woman (laughs) an intuitive woman i mean i think that all are but still there's something about you (laughs) right yeah but when i came back i definitely had a lot of anxiety especially because i i mean the way things worked out i ended up living in an apartment that was a 10 minute walk from where i knew he would be staying (laughs) so i really was nervous to go out in my own neighborhood. Like I would take the bus and go to other neighborhoods to go out. And there was one time when I was walking with a friend of mine. And normally I was very careful to avoid the area where my ex lives. But this time I was walking with my friend and he was looking for something specific. So he had like the map out on his phone and I was just following because he was leading and I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And I came to this intersection and I saw this convenience store on the corner and I stopped breathing (laughs) and it was like my whole body shut down. And then I said to my friend, I have to get the fuck out of here. It wasn't until after I said that, that I realized I was on my ex's street, but it was like my body reacted and responded to the environment before my brain realized where I was. First of all, thank you for your courage for sharing your story, because I think that there are a lot of women who can relate to that. Unfortunately, even men, people, people who can relate to that. So I'm curious for somebody who does the work that you do. What have you done to help you get through this that maybe Mm -hmm. other people can take away who aren't involved in the work that you do? Maybe they aren't doing like spiritual kind of work. So with you being involved in that, what has helped you 
you know, everybody's different, but just in case it gives them at least something to Mm -hmm. try or something Mm -hmm. to start. Honestly, I really think the biggest piece is having compassion and grace and forgiveness for myself, because I think when you become involved with a person who is manipulative and deceptive in that way. Yeah. It's very easy to begin to blame yourself for everything. Even when I realized the truth about everything, my initial thoughts were like, you're so stupid. Mm. If you had just listened to yourself sooner, you would have gone through this. But I also know if Mm -hmm. I listened to myself sooner, the situation wouldn't have reached the point it did. And if it had not, I would not have had the opportunity to tell the other women what was happening. Yeah. And to validate those red flags, right? Right. Exactly. Kind of a catch 22. (laughs) Right. So it was really about forgiving myself for not trusting my intuition and realizing how powerful I can be when I listen to it and really anchoring into my own personal Mm. power. Yeah really helped me a lot to move beyond the experience. Oh, that's fantastic. I feel like I can relate to that a lot too, where when it happened to me and I finally left that relationship, it was a lot of rewinding and going over everything and making connections like, oh, so that's why that happened. That's why this happened. But then it was like, well, gosh, why didn't I do this or do that? Mm -hmm. And right away, I was internalizing a lot of it. Right. And then I became very empowered. I'm like, well, screw that. I'm not going through that again. Like I'm listening to my intuition because it was right and blah, blah, blah. It was also then very empowering. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like I can really relate to Mm -hmm. a lot of what you went through following that too. Man, that can be really hard. Yeah. So again, Lena, thank you so much for sharing that. It really does take a lot of courage to be vulnerable like that. So I really do thank you Mm -hmm. because I know that it will help lots of people. Just hearing that other women, though, unfortunately, have gone through it, just knowing that I'm not alone in having gone through the toxic relationship. It gives me comfort as well for my own. But again, it sucks that anyone else had to go through it. But I guess that camaraderie perhaps and that support that we can provide for each other. So it really does help in that sense. So to help wrap up our interview, Lena, I was wondering what advice would the Mm -hmm. Lena of today give the Lena Mm -hmm. from her past? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, really, I think it's simply trust yourself. I think in so many ways, we are conditioned to see other people outside of us as more important or more knowledgeable. We look to people who we consider authority figures like doctors or nurses, maybe Mm -hmm. to help us know what is happening we're wise and our bodies are wise and our intuition is wise. And sometimes we know things that those outside of us can't and don't know. My advice to myself would be to allow myself to be the authority of my own life, to listen to my inner guidance. Ooh, I love that such strong like warrior goddess vibes <laughs> be the authority in my life that's fantastic well thank you so much lena for your time and again for sharing your knowledge and your story and your journey with us so far really appreciate you so thank you so much thank you so much for the opportunity that was another episode of a guided life podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always.
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.